they'll rejoin us uh, after our, our sermon time and come back and sing again and close out our service with us. We do have some folks, uh, some friends and brothers and sisters from Weed Berean because their church is still standing, right? But it's closed today. So uh, God bless you guys. Thank you for being here. Hope you're encouraged and supported. So um, we are in Psalm 39. If you want to turn your Bibles to Psalm 39, you know, it's, it's interesting as a pastor who, you know, is, is knowing kind of what's going on around our community. And I'm like, do I need to change what I'm preaching on? And I just, more and more I, I think about that, I find that God knew exactly what was going to happen and I knew exactly what was planned. And uh, so we stick with it. And I think today's message is timely from the Lord for all of us. And uh, I hope that you feel the same. Uh, today, Psalm 39, the title today is The Anchor in Sorrow. The Anchor in Sorrow. And uh, it kind of comes off of Psalm 38. Um, David just knowing he's under pressure of sin in his life and needing to confess that sin and repent that and uh, repent of sin and come into the Lord's favor and, uh, and not, not point fingers. Last week we talked about him pointing fingers at other people and it was their fault and their problem. Um, and we talked about him focusing on himself and the pain that that caused, but the need, the solution was to focus the attention of his heart uh, to the Lord and to hope in the Lord and, and find strength in the Lord. And that's what we found there. So today we continue on. But this first part, I'm going to read the entire uh, chapter as I normally do. And, uh, and then we'll break it apart um, and, and look at the first part as kind of the, the condition of, a lot of times I think, our heart and, and where our heart might be today. So let's, uh, let's pray and we'll get into the Word. Father, I thank you so much for the opportunity you give us to be here to gather together, um, Lord, to worship you and to give you honor and praise. God, you alone are worthy of our praise, and that never, ever changes. So God, today as we look to your word, we ask that our hearts and our minds would be open, that God, you would, you would convict us of sin, and you would move us to a place of repentant, obedient faith in you, that our hope would be firmly planted in Jesus Christ. It's in his glorious name we pray. Amen. All right, so Psalm 39, if you want to follow along, I'm going to read 1 through 13, the entire psalm. <clears throat> for the choir director, uh, for Jeduthun, a psalm of David. I said, I will guard my ways so I may not sin with my tongue. I will guard my mouth with a muzzle as long as the wicked are in my presence. I was speechless and quiet. I kept silent even from speaking good, and my pain intensified. My heart grew hot within me. As I mused, a fire burned, and I spoke with my tongue. Lord, make me aware of my end and the number of my days, so that I will know how short-lived I am. In fact, you have made my days just inches long, and my lifespan is as nothing to you. Yes, every human being stands as only a vapor, Selah. Yes, a person goes about like a mere shadow. Indeed, they rush around in vain, gathering possessions without knowing who will get them. Now, Lord, what do I wait for? My hope is in you. Rescue me from all my transgressions. Do not make me the taunt of fools. I am speechless. I do not open my mouth because of what you have done. Remove your torment from me because of the force of your hand. I am finished. You discipline a person, or you, you discipline a person with punishment for iniquity, consuming like a moth what is precious to him. Yes, every human being is only a vapor. Selah. Hear my prayer, Lord, and listen to my cry for help. Do not be silent at my tears, for I am here with you as an alien, a temporary resident like all my ancestors. Turn your angry gaze from me 
so that I may be cheered up before I die and am gone. This is the word of God. So Psalm one or Psalm thirty nine, we're, we're again just looking at this uh, psalm of of I'd say sorrow and lament, and uh, and we're looking at this this what does David find as the solution? This anchor in sorrow. And the first thing we need to understand is there is deep sorrow, right? If you look at verses one through three with me, it's not one of our points, but it really sets up the rest of the passage. Psalm one, uh, Psalm thirty nine, one through three. Get this state. He said, "I I will guard my ways, so I may not sin with my tongue." What is he saying? I'm going to keep my mouth shut, right? I, nope, I'm not going to say it. I'm not going to speak. I will guard my mouth with a muzzle as long as the wicked are in my presence. Nope, not going to say anything. Last week we learned that he, he really couldn't say anything that would justify his actions, so he just said, I'm going to keep silent. But it's still, it's, it's inside of him, right? He says, I was speechless and quiet. I kept silent, even from speaking good, and my, and my pain intensified. What's going on? It's boiling up inside of him, isn't it? It's, it's, it's bubbling up. Like this, this anger and bitterness and it just this sorrow is, is overwhelming to him. Look at verse 3. My heart grew hot within me. I know that happens to me. My heart grew hot within me. As I mused, a fire burned. And then it says what? I spoke with my tongue. And we're all like, uh-oh. <laughs> you know, what is he going to say? I mean, I, I think about that for me. When I... When I'm in that heated, angry, boiled up, hot spot, what happens when I open my mouth? It's not always so good. So what, what do we learn? What is, what is David's response? What did, what did he do? That's what we're going to look at today. We're going to look at what the anchor was in the middle of this sorrow, in the middle of this anger and heat and the boiling up inside of him. What was his anchor? Number one is this. He knew that life was fleeting. So for you and I, if we want to have an anchor in this life through the sorrow, we must, number one, know that life is fleeting. Look at verse 4. So he said, I spoke with my tongue, right? My fire burned and I spoke with my tongue. What did he say? Lord, make me aware of my end and the number of my days so that I will know how short-lived I am. It's, it's tough to hear that. I mean, that's a great response, right? His heart turned to the Lord. And what did he say? He said, Lord, I, let me know just how fleeting I really am, just how big of a vapor I really am. And what, he, what David's really wanting to know is, God, remind me that when I'm taking all these things way too seriously, when I'm taking myself too seriously, when I'm holding on to this too seriously, too tightly, remind me that I am just a vapor, that my days are short, that this is not going to be forever, you could even argue. Uh, verse 5, in fact, he says, you have made my days just inches long, and my lifespan is as nothing to you. Yes, every human being stands as only a vapor. And then there's our, our little phrase, Selah, right? Remember what that means, right? Hang on that for a while. Think about that. Let that sink in. So we should pause and think, it, like, let every human being stand as only a vapor. That's what we are. We're only a vapor. Listen, the truth for me is this. I'm not that big of a deal. Guess what the truth for you is? Neither are you. Neither are you. Verse 6, yes, a person goes out about like a mere shadow. Indeed, they rush around in vain, gathering possessions without knowing who will even get them. So David is, is beginning to feel that this earthly life and world is just a shadow, right? It's just a vapor. And Solomon understood this as well, right? We, we see a lot of these connections in Solomon, King Solomon from Ecclesiastes. Uh, chapter 2, verse 1, you don't have to turn there. There, there are four things I'm going to just point out that Solomon pursued. It was pleasure, it was things, it was wisdom, and it was work. Right? And I'm going I'm to comment on what he said about that pursuit. 
So as it pertains to pleasure, chapter 2, verse 1, I said to myself, go ahead, I will test you with pleasure, enjoy what is good, but it turned out to be futile or meaningless, right? A vapor, same, tech, same words here. Ecclesiastes 2, 10 and 11, this is the things. He said, I, did, I denied myself, or, or sorry, all that my eyes desired, I did not deny them. He looked at whatever he wanted and he went after it and got it. I did not refuse myself any pleasure, for I took pleasure in all my struggles. This was my reward for my struggles. When I considered all that I had accomplished and all that I had labored to achieve, I found everything to be futile or meaningless. As a pursuing or chasing after the wind, there was nothing to be gained under the sun. So Solomon understands, like, if I pursue pleasure, eh, if I pursue the things that will then bring pleasure, nope, not going to work. What about wisdom? And he argues with himself here, uh, chapter 2, verse 15 and 16. I said to myself, what happens to the fool will also happen to me, right? So he's using his wisdom saying, we're on the same track here. Uh, why then have I been overly wise? So now he's questioning, if we're all going to end up the same, what benefit is it for me to be wise? Well, there's benefit to that, right? He said, I said to myself, this is also futile. For just like the fool, there is no lasting remembrance of the wise, since in the days to come, both will be forgotten. How is it that the wise person dies just like the fool? I, I, they may die, die just like the fool, but I, I would argue they don't live like the fool, right? That there is wisdom in living wise. But at the end, it's all gone. It's vapor. How about his work? Verses 18 and 19. I hated all my work that I labored at under the sun because I must leave it to the one who comes after me. And who knows whether he's going to be wise or a fool. Yet he will take over all my work that I labored at skillfully under the sun. This too is meaningless. This too is a vapor. This too is futile. So while David and Solomon and many of us feel that, that we are just a vapor, we should be reminded about that. We are just a vapor and, and this is just a shadow that's not hopeless. So I, I want us to have some hope here, right? We think about, man, if it's all just a shadow, I'm chasing my tail, I'm chasing my shadow, I'm chasing uh, my dreams, and they're just going to fall apart. I'm going to die, and there'll be nothing left. The question comes up, like, what, is, what meaning is there? Well, what do shadows indicate? Well, light and the presence of what? Something of substance, amen? And that's the idea that we have to understand that although the things of this world that we may be pursuing may be shadows and we might be grasping at them like shadows, when we understand that they are shadows and this life is fleeting, what we also hope in is that there is something of substance as well. We have to remember that the presence of a shadow points to the presence of a greater reality, one of substance. Life certainly will begin to feel futile at times. Maybe that's where you're at today, and I think that's a good thing to, to recheck our heart and our mind. David prayed that, Lord, make me aware of that. Make me aware of how futile I am, of how fleeting I am, of, that this life is just a vapor. But when we under, understand this life is just a vapor, we understand that it's just a shadow, we can stop living for the shadow and start living instead for the substance that is Jesus Christ himself. And that's the hope we have. Uh, today was, is a prayer service as well, and we've done this once before, I think last year, and, and I just want to take some time and a few minutes to pray through this. So we're praying specifically about point number one. What is point number one? That we should know that life is fleeting. And, and I want to just, I want to let you have some time, and, and we're going to go to the Lord in prayer. And when we do, there'll be some 30-some seconds of silence here. I, I have asked a couple of people out there that they have prompts that they will pray as well. But if, if something's on your heart, and you want to pray about that, and you want to just, just let that out, go ahead and pray. 
right? Pray out loud or pray silently. You can pray silently where you are. But make this a reflective time for you and the Lord. Make your prayer be, Lord, make me aware of the, of, that my days are numbered, that, that, that I have an end of my days coming up. So we're going to go to the Lord in prayer. It might be awkward for a minute. It's okay. Let it just be. You pray. A couple other people will pray, and, and I'll close this up, and we'll move forward, okay? Let's take some time to seek the Lord. Let's pray. Lord, we, we so often cling to things or circumstances or emotions and Lord, while those are all around us and we have to live with them and deal with them and buy them and have them, God, help us to loosen our grip on them. God, we know that there will be days, that things that make us angry. There'll be times where we, we feel ungrateful. God, we, where we let the world and the, the cares of the world affect us too much. So God, help us to let go of those things and God, to, to shift our eyes, to shift our focus to you. That we would look to the substance of our faith and that's Christ. We thank you and we give you praise in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right, let's go to number two. An anchor in the sorrow. Number two is this. We have to trust that our hope is solid. Trust that our hope is solid. If you carry on where we were here, and we're going to go into verse 7 um, of Psalm 39. So, so David says, listen, my life is fleeting. Lord, make me aware of my end and the number of my days, how short-lived I am, that I'm a vapor, that these are shadows that I'm around. And, and he's still crying out, and he's still turning the corner of his heart. And I, I love verse 7. Look at verse 7. Uh, he says, Now, Lord, what do I wait for? What do I wait for? Da- David is deeply sorrowful. He's, he's trying to figure this out. He's trying to cry out to God. He says, What do I wait for? I, I love the next phrase. He says, My hope is in you. And here's what we can learn about this. We talk about the idea of our trust. uh, We trust that our hope is in a solid something, right? Or or something solid. It cannot be in a what. He says, he prays, he says, says, Lord, what do I wait for? And I think we have had prayers like that where I'm like, God, if only this happens or if only I get this or have this or get that extra paycheck or all the what's. We We lay out the what's like crazy. We say, eventually, Lord, if those what's happen, then I will be safe and secure. I will, I'll, I'll be all right. And David thought that way too, and he grasped for, at shadows, and he knew his life was fleeting. But when he prayed this, he shifted from what to who? Christ, right? But he shifted his heart from what's, the what's that we can grab onto, to the who, that is Jesus. You see, our hope is only solid when it's put in the person of Jesus Christ. It is not solid anywhere else. He says, now, Lord, what do I wait for? No, my hope is in you. It's in a who, not a what. It's in a who. Rescue me from my transgressions. Do not make me the taunt of fools. I am speechless. I do not open my mouth because of what you have done. Remove your torment from me because of the force of your hand. I am finished. You discipline a person in, uh, with punishment for iniquity. Consuming, now this is, uh, we talked about this last week. You can see last week's sermon for more of this. But it says, you discipline a person with punishment for iniquity. Consuming like a moth what is precious to him. Yes, every human being is only a vapor, Selah. Let me just break that apart a little bit for us. So David says, it's my, my hope is not going to be in a what. My hope is going to be in a who. 
and that who is the Lord, and, and, and he is mighty to save, and his love endures forever. And then he understood that when my hope is in the Lord, there's some business that needs to be taken care of. And, and partially why he was feeling this way was because of his own sin, right? So what, what's the business? He says, rescue me from all my, my transgressions, my sins. My sin is what has separated me from God. God, this is why I'm hurting. I want to be in right standing with you. So rescue me from all my transgressions. Don't make me the taunt of fools. Don't let people look at me and see, see, they, he can't figure it out. He doesn't have it down. And that happens when, when our hope is in what? People looking like, why are they flailing around? They experience it in their own life. But they, for a Christ follower who says, hey, I hope in God. God's my salvation. Our hope better be there and not in the what's of this life. He says, remove your torment from me. He's like, I get it, Lord, I get it. This is all because of what I've been doing. Remove it from me. And because of the force of your hand, I'm finished. I'm feeling the weight of your hand. Remember, we, we wouldn't, wouldn't heed our heart to the, the, the word of the Lord. We're going to feel the weight of his hand. And that's what David is experiencing now. And then verse 11, you discipline a person with punishment for iniquity, consuming like a moth what is precious to him. I think David's on to something here. When our hope shifts away from shadows and away from the things that are fleeting and the things that we try to grab onto, when our, our hope shifts from the what's in life to the who, we realize the who is going to take care of the what's. And, and he will consume what is precious to me. What is it? He's refining me. I, I was holding on to something. I had an idea. I had a thought. I had a preference. I, whatever it might have been, God's like, no, no, I, I'm going to consume what's precious to you. You just make me precious to you instead. And God will take care of that. He says, yes, every human being is only a vapor. There's a focus here of the heart that must turn towards God. And we trust that our hope is solid when our hope is in Him. Hope emerges when we get honest with God and when we let Him be our hope. I want to read a passage out of 1 Peter chapter 1, 3-9. through 9. It says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, because of His great mercy He has given us new birth, into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. So we're talking about spiritual things here. We're talking about the focus being the Lord, that the Lord has accomplished something for us, that he has died, that he has risen, uh, he was buried, he was risen, so that we could have a living hope. Not a hope in the what's, but a hope in a who. Right, that's Jesus. And into an inheritance that's imperishable, undefiled and unfading, kept in heaven for you. Things that we chase temporarily here on earth are actually kept in heaven for us. You are being guarded by God's power through faith for a salvation that is ready to be revealed in the last time. You rejoice in this, even though now, for a short time, if necessary, you suffer grief in various trials, so that the proven character of your faith, more valuable than gold, which, although perishable, is refined by fire, might result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Christ. Though you have not seen Him, you love Him. Though not, through not seeing Him, uh, you believe in Him, and you rejoice with inexpressible and glorious joy, because you are receiving the goal of your faith, the salvation of your souls. Right? Isn't there a different focus here? What, what, what we're seeing in Peter is our focus is on Jesus. Our focus is on forgiveness of sin. Our focus is on the resurrection of Christ from the dead and what that accomplishes for those who put their faith in him. It accomplishes eternal security, that our hope is solid and secure. Nothing that, nothing that this world can provide. You know, every, I mean, I, it's weird. You teach it on a, on a day after a fire, Right? You think, oh, hey, no, nothing in this world is, is uh, going to last forever. It's all temporary. And we're like, well, that's a little harsh, right? Too soon, Brandon? But it's true, isn't it? 
It, it's, a, it's a reality that we're face-to-face with now. <clears throat> Everything that we have in this life, in this world, will be stripped away at some point. So what do we have left is the question. Because our hope certainly cannot be secure in those things or those people. Our hope has to be secure in Jesus Christ. There is a solid hope that is found in Christ Jesus. And he takes those shadows and he helps us see that he is the substance. He is the substance to be believed in. He's the one that everything points to. Our hope is in the power of the gospel, of what he has done for us. And, and then we live, and when our hope is in, in the power of the gospel, we live in a way that's not chasing shadows, that's not grasping after shadows. We live in a way that is living for the substance of our faith. Right? Those shadows become less and less important. I, I want to go into another second time of prayer. I, just, I know I got a little confused there. For after, on your card, a couple of you, I gave cards to you, right? So it says, after point number two. Raise your hand if you have a card that says, after point number two, just so I know who you are. No one? Oh, there's one right there, Larry and Mike. Is that right? You have after point number two? And are you person number two? One. One, two. There you go. All right, we're going to pray, and you can pray. Anyone can pray, but those guys are going to pray, and I know that Larry after Larry prays. I'll pray, all right? So we're, we're, what are we praying right now? <clears throat> our, that we're, our, our hope is solid in Christ and not on things that are shifting, that, that we would loosen our grip on the things of this world, all right? Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Lord, we, I echo these prayers and I thank you that, that you are the firm one that we can trust in. Our hope is secure and, and safe with you and in you. So God, I, I do ask that you would help us to, to shift our focus from the temporary things of this world and this life. God, we, we certainly have to be around them and live amongst them and with them, but Lord, help us to not grab onto them as our eternal hope that our hope would be firmly planted in Jesus Christ. We thank you and praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, now I hope we understand that hope, right? That, that if we look at the totality of Scripture and, and life in general, what we see in Scripture is that every single person has sinned and fallen short of God's glory. That every one of us is mess, has messed up, has, has not made and hit the standard that God wants, which is perfection, and that that has separated us from God. And what happens is that we live our lives here separated from God, pursuing something, pursuing getting better or being, being more, uh, more or, or more successful. And, and most of our pursuits say, at the end, of the end of our life, we want to be able to say, look, God, of how good I was or how good I did. But what we understand is that, that will never, ever do for God. He's not measuring your goodness against someone else's goodness. He's measuring your goodness and my goodness against his goodness. And we will always fall short. That's why none of it will last. Whatever resume you have, when, when you're standing face to face with Jesus, it will dissolve and be gone. Whatever accomplishments you've had, whatever family line or tree you come from, I don't care if you were born in the front pew of a church, it doesn't matter to God. It matters for your story because it's kind of a cool story. But it doesn't matter to God. What matters to God is you. And so much so that he sent his son to take on human flesh, God in the flesh, to live, to teach, to love, and ultimately to lay down his life and die. He took on flesh so he could die for you and for me. And die in a place that I deserve to die, and die in a place that you deserved to die. 
And he offered himself for us so that you and I could believe and trust in him because he's not someone that's going to disappear and be gone. He's not someone that died and was buried and was left buried like everything else in this life will be. He died and was buried, and three days later, he proved he was God and came back to life. He conquered death. So if you and I believe, we can have life too and conquer death. And that's where our hope is. Nothing else in this life can do that. So we put our hope in Jesus. He is the substance of the shadows of this world and the things that we try to hold on to. He's the substance of our hope. Finally, number three, the anchor in sorrow is to remember our home is in heaven. I know some of that's been prayed a little bit, but we remember that our home is in heaven. Let's, in heaven. Let's follow the rest of this prayer of David. Look at verse 12. Hear my prayer, Lord, and listen to my cry for help. Do not be silent at my tears, for I am here with you as an alien and temporary resident like all my ancestors. What is he saying? He says, listen, I, I know you're here with me. I'm with you. I, I, listen to my cry. I'm crying out to you, not something else. And, and while I do that, I know that I am a temporary resident, an alien passing through. If you looked at this in depth, Israel was supposed to allow temporary residents or aliens inside of Israel to come and, and have a, uh, take up residence. But they were not allowed to be permanent. They were not allowed to buy land. I, I, I love that. As I read that this week, I'm like, that should be us. We're not allowed to buy anything or set up roots anywhere. This, we, are, we are renting and we have a passport because this world is not our home. We're just passing through. If heaven's not our home, Lord, what will we do? Heaven must be our home. The truth is the gospel hope in Jesus Christ allows us to see beyond this life and into the next. Jesus did not die on the cross and conquer sin and death so you could have your best life now. We talked about this a few weeks ago, right? We understand that our best life is later. It's later. We also understand that there is pain and suffering in the world. But in, these, in light of this lens of seeing that, that this world is not all there is and that my home is in heaven, although there's pain and suffering in the world, they are temporary. And although they're sometimes very difficult and they seem like they're not going to end and it's one thing after another, we know they are temporary and that we are temporary residents of this world. They will only last a moment. I want to read some other Psalms, uh, just some, some glimpses of Psalms. Psalm 16, David says, I will bless the Lord who counsels me. Again, his trust is in the Lord. Even at night when my thoughts trouble me, I always let the Lord guide me because he is at my right hand. I will not be shaken. Therefore, my heart is glad and my whole being rejoices. My body also rests securely. Right? There's a, a rest we find, a hope we find that is secure when we focus in this way. For you will not abandon me to Sheol. Uh, you will not allow your faithful one to see decay. In verse 11 of uh, chapter 16, he says this, You reveal the path of life to me. I, I hope you long for that. I hope you desire that. I, I do. I, God, I want you to reveal the path of life to me. And he says, in your presence, this is the path of life that's been revealed. God, God reveals it. And in his presence, there's abundant joy. At your right hand are eternal pleasures. So while Solomon and David know, knew it, while we know it, that this life is not all it's cracked up to be, and that it's pretty bad sometimes, and that whatever pleasures we have or work we have or wisdom we have is all fleeting and, will, and futile, we do know that in his presence, there's abundant joy at his right hand. There are eternal pleasures. Psalm 17, verses 13 to 15. Rise up, Lord. Uh, confront him. Bring him down with your sword. Save me from the wicked. 
With your hand, Lord, save me from men, from men of the world. So you're saying, God, God, there's all these people coming against me, all these people who are grasping at shadows too and wanting success in their own life. He says, uh, save me from these men of the world whose portion is this life. David understands their reality. They're grasping at this world. That's what they're going to get. And it's, they're going to be left with that and be done with that. They're holding on to shadows. He says, God, you fill their bellies with what you have in store. Their sons are satisfied, but they leave their surpluses to their children. He says, they're going to die. Those things are temporary, right? But I will see your face in righteousness. When I awake, I will be satisfied with your presence. Is, is Jesus enough for you? I, I hope you can say more than enough. In, in the middle of fear or confusion or anxiety or doubt or loss or grief, is Jesus enough for you? The answer is yes. He absolutely is if you would trust in him. I want to read one last passage out of 2 Corinthians and then we'll have some more time in prayer. Paul writes this in chapter 4. He says, we do not give up. So with, with this view of life being eternal, we don't give up. We don't just roll over. We, we still go through this life, even as temporary residents. We don't give up. Even though our outer person is being destroyed, our inner person is being renewed day by day. For our momentary light affliction is producing for us an absolutely incomparable eternal weight of glory. So we do not focus on what is seen, but, but on what is unseen. For what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. Well, I tell you, we get a lot of amens for that verse. But we can also read that verse and be like, don't read that verse again. I don't want to hear it. Because what's it saying? That this, whatever we're going through, whatever we're experiencing, whatever sorrow, the deep sorrow that David was boiling inside of his heart, whatever the, the anger, whatever the, is going on in your heart, Paul says these are momentary and light afflictions. And they are producing in you an absolutely incomparable eternal weight of glory if your focus would be eternal instead of temporary. Because these things will pass away. This season will end. The page will turn. But Jesus is eternal, and our faith and trust must be in him. No matter how painful the moment is in light of eternity, it is only a moment. I know that's hard to hear. It's hard to counsel friends who just lost a home and everything they'd ever owned yesterday or day before. But it is the truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ that everything in this world, whether you lost a home yesterday or day before or not, one day you will, and it will be gone, and you will be gone. And the question is, where will you be, and where will your hope be placed? Until then, we turn the sorrows of our heart toward heaven. We fix our, our hope and our eyes securely on Christ, and we keep our eyes turned towards heaven always. I, I want to go to the last time together in prayer. Uh, this, this last time in prayer, we're, we're praying again that we would, we would remember that our home is heaven, that, that we would have an eternal perspective, that God, you would, you would help me not focus on the things here as much, but really focus on the journey to where I'm going. We're going to go to the Lord in prayer. We'll open it up for about 30 seconds. Who are, my, who are my point number three people? Point number three people, have we all prayed out already? Your card says after point number three, Bubba's one. Someone else? 
Who was it, Theo? Okay. What's that? They went home? Yeah. Okay, let's go to the Lord in prayer. Lord, you are our God. And God, there are often times, whether it's great sorrow or slight sorrow or distraction, that our hearts feel like they're in trouble or that we feel like we're weary. God, in those moments, I, I pray that you would be the God of our hope, that God, you would remind us and make us aware that our life is fleeting, that those worries will one day be done, God, that we don't have to hold on and grasp so hard for the things of this world that will be eventually gone, but our trust can be securely placed in Jesus Christ. And God, remind us of this eternal perspective that, that this world is not our home. We are your ambassadors while we're here. We will, we will trust Christ and we will proclaim Christ and one day we will see Christ face to face in all his glory and we look forward to that day. So until that day, remind us and renew us, God. Uh, be the anchor that we need in the middle of the sorrow of life. We trust you and we praise you in Jesus' name. Amen.